0: Find something for everyone on your list, whether it's a Cabernet for your sis, sparkling wine for a coworker, or a single barrel bourbon for dad. And if you need any help, just ask one of their friendly guides for advice. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine and more. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly, be 21. Hi, I'm Kristen McGlory, lifelong genius hunter. For a decade, I've been unearthing the recipes that have changed the way we cook. Now, on the Genius Recipe Tapes, we go behind the scenes with the geniuses themselves. Today, I'm joined by Hetty McKinnon, author of cookbooks like To Asia with Love and Tender Heart, which is out in Australia now and will be out in the US in the spring. Hedy creates some of the most flavorful recipes that put vegetables front and center. And while some may say that the best way to cook with vegetables is to barely touch them, Hetty shows us that there is so much more that you can do with a vegetable than just keeping it simple. But just because the flavors and textures are complex does not mean that the preparation is. Take, for example, this week's genius recipe from Hetty, which she created for our new Simply Genius cookbook, her sheet pan gnocchi with chili crisp and baby bok choy. It is the only sheet pan dinner that I want to make and actually have the time and space to make week after week. In this episode, Hetty and I talk all about why that recipe works so well and how she uses fast flavor ingredients throughout her home cooking. But first, we start with a story from Hetty of a vegetable discovery that changed the course of her career. I've told
1: this story before, but I think the the vegetable and the cooking method that started it all for me was char grilling broccoli. It was the vegetable sensation that really led me to start my business, to Arthur Street Kitchen, my original salad delivery business. I just saw this kind of all these layers of flavor, that smokiness, that charred, savouriness, that sweetness, and it just really changed my outlook about vegetables. And it really started me on this journey of seeing, you know, what else – I could get out of, you know, cooking with vegetables, you know, all the different ways you could cut a vegetable, all the different ways you could cook it to achieve very different results. My time in food has been relatively short, like it's, I only started cooking for that business in 2011. So in that time, really, vegetables has been my number one inspiration in really kind of you know, forging ahead and trying new things and constantly trying to invent and reinvent. And it's obviously taken me down some different roads. You know, even with To Asia with Love, where I kind of went back to the foods and flavours of my youth, vegetables were still very much at the core of that because a lot of those flavours and a lot of those dishes was me kind of vegetarianizing those foods. So yeah, I think that was kind of my aha moment. And it I, I do attribute a lot to char grilling broccoli. That was probably my seminal moment in, in cooking. Do you remember the first time you tasted them? I do. I mean, it was in a salad and I think I teamed it with like something spicy, like chili and then lemon, um, some capers maybe. And that was such a sensation. And I actually made it into a salad for Arthur Street Kitchen and it's in my first cookbook. And I remember thinking at the time, "Wow, this is this is mind blowing," and I want to keep discovering. And when you
0: say char grill, does that mean you just like threw the raw broccoli on the grill, or do you
1: like blanch it first? How do you do it? No, I don't blanch because I like my vegetables quite crisp. I like texture, and so it went went straight into either a char grill pan. Or a fry pan, even you can do it in a fry pan. Or at the time, I had a barb. I had an outdoor space, which I don't have anymore. But barbecue, I would barbecue all my vegetables. You know, as you what, what Americans call grilling, um, mm-hmm. and it was just oh, so much flavor. And I just love, you know, like taking a vegetable really far can really give you really kind of uh, surprising results. You know, I think vegetables are so often, you know, treated with such delicacy and, oh, let's just respect the vegetable and respect nature and let's not do too much to it. But I really kind of found this other way, which was like either, you know, having lots of texture within the vegetable. So not um, blanching at first because then you're kind of making it's soft already and you're softening the insides and you're already bringing out the sweetness a little bit. You know, as soon as you apply heat, you're bringing out some of the sweetness. So you kind of want to condense all those flavours in the the char grilling. Mm. So I rarely ever, ever blanch my vegetables. I get
0: rather opinionated when I talk about vegetables. And well, and the benefit there too (laughs) is you don't have to get a pot of water boiling. Exactly. And you don't have to mess with all that. Yeah, absolutely. Since we're talking about the recipe that you developed for our Simply Genius cookbook, which that cookbook is both intentionally and out of necessity filled with simple, clever recipes, the kind that I could habitually make over the last few years, despite having a baby and moving several times and the pandemic and everything, I would love to hear what recipes you have turned to most in the busiest times in your life for example, when you had three very young children? Oh, gosh. I mean, i
1: <laughs> that's such a blur to me what I used to cook for them <laughs> because back then we were still eating different foods as a lot of families with young children do. You cook different things according to who eats what, and I certainly grew up that way. But, you know, the journey in food, in cooking for my family has been – A really interesting one because it's obviously evolved as they've gotten older too. Like currently they're 16, 14 and 12. So they're much easier to cook for, but they still have their quirks. The foods that we've turned to a lot are the foods that we've stayed with us for a really long time. So for in my first book, for example, there is this dish with halloumi cheese. It's a bed of like sourdough bread or some sort of nice crusty bread. It has this kind of faux Greek salad on the top. So it's like cucumber, tomato maybe some olives sometimes. And then on top of that, there is a mound of this tzatziki, like a homemade tzatziki. It's got like grated cucumber and a little bit of honey and dried mint. So it's like quite, you know, sweet and um, pungent. And then there's halloumi over the top because it's a dish that we have eaten as a family probably since the very beginning. And Mm. uh, we still have it now. There's nothing in that that dish that nobody's not going to eat, that anybody's Mm. not going to eat. So we're always looking for those meals, aren't we? Mm
0: -hmm. You know, there's
1: a couple of other dishes like there's, um, you know, there's always rice dishes that everyone loves. Right now it's probably, um, you know, things like Japanese curries, um, sag paneers. These are like the things that my kids like to eat now. And actually someone asked me very recently, what are your kids' favourite foods? And I said, well, I find that really hard to answer because... As a recipe developer, as you might know, Kristen, we're always cooking different things. Mm-hmm. And so when you actually go back to a recipe and it's a recipe that you cook over and over and over again, it means there's something unique about it and there's something special about it because, gosh, I, I must cook hundreds of recipes a year for, for, for my family. My kids have pretty good palates, though, so they will eat foods from, and flavours from around the world.
0: It does seem like there's sort of this checklist of it needs to be something that can be kept in the pantry um, or, or you know, keep in the fridge for a while. So it's always available to you. It needs to be something that everybody will eat that makes everyone happy, that fits into your life. And it sounds like all of those recipes you mentioned really like tick all of those boxes.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: And it is sort of a like a, a chicken or the egg thing. It's like, are they the recipes you use because the things are in your pantry or are they the things that you keep in your pantry because you know that those are the recipes that will work for you.
1: Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. I think every cook is very different and that's why, you know, when you write a recipe, it's very hard to assume that everybody will have the same pantry as you. So you mm-hmm. every every cook has has their own quirks and you gradually the more you cook, you learn about the type of cook that you are and the types of ingredients that you like to work with and the way you like to cook. You know, some people like to make salads. Some people like to do more soupy things. Some people like to make stews. Um, Some people like sheet pans, you know, and and you can do, you can be a person that likes all of those things. But I think the way we stock our pantry says a lot about who we are. So, yeah, I think that perhaps it's for recipe developers, sometimes it's a hard question to answer because our pantries Mm -hmm. are both, you know, work and play and Everything in between.
0: Speaking of sheet pans and your um, expertise with sheet pans, let's talk about your recipe in Simply Genius. Oh yes, sheet pan yoki with chili crisp and baby bok choy. I know this recipe had an earlier cousin, sort of, mm-hmm. um, which is a recipe that I have loved of yours on the on New York mm-hmm. Times Cooking uh, for sheet pan pierogies with Brussels sprouts and kimchi. So, <laughs> just to to get to the story behind the sheep pan yolky, Can you tell us the story behind the sheep pan
1: pierogies? <laughs> I was actually looking at that recipe the other day, the sheep pan pierogies, the original version. And I was thinking how crazy that recipe is. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's a bit whack, you know, it, it just has so it's much. It's so good. It's, I know because I, the way I thought of it was, you know, we can roast, we can roast pierogies, of course. Um, And so let's put them on a sheet pan. And then I was thinking, you know, pierogies are Polish, um, Eastern European, and they have, they eat it with sauerkraut. So I'm just going to put like kimchi with it because it's also like a fermented, you know, cabbage or fermented product. The sauce, I guess you'd call it, is this um creamy sour cream with dill, which kind of goes back to its Eastern European origins. And so somehow it's just like this clash of everything, East meets West meets a lot of other things. And it sounds like it makes no sense, but somehow it is like so delicious and everything completely works. And so like, I guess that kind of sums up a lot of the way I think about recipes is, you know, I do always think about origin stories and then I think about what else is happening in that, that, makes it similar or different to other things and other flavors from around the world. So I do always try and respect where things come from, but then always try to push those boundaries and see how else we can present something that is in a fun and fresh way. I think that's why that recipe really works, because the only thing that's really kind of a little bit out of left-centre there is the kimchi, um, <laughs> but it is actually very closely aligned to the sauerkraut. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that, so that was the original recipe. And then we got to this other incarnation, which is in the, your new Simply Genius cookbook, which is cheap pan with chili crisp and baby bok choy. And, you know, chili crisp over the last few years obviously has become this pantry hero really, Mm -hmm. because it adds not just spice. I think it adds, I think the spice is almost secondary to the other things that it adds, like texture and umami. Umami is probably the big thing for me. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, every time I talk about flavor, it comes from a place for me that I'm vegetarian and I've been a vegetarian a long time. And so flavor is, my particular take on flavor is, can be quite, aggressive sometimes because I am craving flavor. Um, Vegetables are always kind of at the center of what I'm cooking. So I tend to really push flavor when it comes to the dishes that I cook. So um, yeah, the chili crisp is is just so lovely, kind of the way it coats the gnocchi. But back to the gnocchi, I mean, I remember the first time I had Um, a crispy gnocchi. It was at a restaurant in Sydney many, many, many years ago, like before, I think probably before I had children. And it was like a pan fried gnocchi with asparagus and crispy sage and brown butter. And I still remember that dish. And it was the first time I'd, I'd eaten crispy gnocchi. And so for all the times after that, I've always been trying to like use gnocchi in this similar way. I think the gnocchi in this particular recipe is similar to the way the pierogies kind of crisp up. You kind of, you know, throw them on a sheet pan and and allow the oven to do your work. And Mm -hmm. I think for all working families, that's something that is so um, life changing is to allow someone else to cook your dinner. And in in this case, it's an oven and, and high heat. You can also do it in a fry pan, but I just find the sheet pan just gives you a more uniform result and way less effort. And you get more. And you get more. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this is like gnocchi teamed with baby bok choy. So you got some greenery in there and it just kind of, you know, we've got some chili crisp and it all kind of cooks together. And you kind of at the end get this meal and you tie it all together with this scallion sour cream and they're actually there's scallions roasted with the um the gnocchi Mm -hmm. and the baby bok choy too and you know they Mm -hmm. they're sweet and they're aromatic and they just add so much to a dish so yeah there's a lot of flavor in this one and the scallions are just so easy to prep too
0: like you cut them for the the um sheet pan part of the dinner you cut them in two inch lengths and just toss those in with the baby bok choy and Um, They add so much sweetness, so much dimension for like two seconds of prep work. Yes. There is so much that I love about this recipe and both of the recipes, the the version on New York Times cooking and the one that's in this book. It really changed what I thought a sheet pan dinner could be making your recipes because in theory, they sound good. But so often when I've tried to make an entire dinner on a sheet pan, either everything kind of comes out one note, like the textures all kind of like turn to mush or like the flavors all kind of get muddy or I end up burning part while something else is waiting to cook, or maybe there's kind of like sneaky steps added so that you're not really saving all that much time because you're like washing the sheet pan in between or doing a whole bunch of interventions. And yours is really just two steps. It's just crisp the gnocchi with the seasonings and then add the fresh ingredients. And I think because you're using such bold flavors like the chili crisp or in the other recipe, the kimchi, Mm. So much of that work is done by these really powerful ingredients.
1: Yeah. We're so lucky because in 2022, there are so many amazing, particularly like small, you know, home um, bespoke companies making wonderful pantry ingredients, condiments that are, you know, rooted in many different cultures. And we're lucky to have access to that now. And Mm -hmm. I definitely lean very hard on, on on those, because in weeknight cooking, they they're fast flavor. There's flavor already inbuilt in a chili crisp. There's you know <laughs> so many layers of spices and, and and aromatics in there, and you know other products too, like you know miso, huge amounts of flavor already in there. You know all the fermented products hold a lot of flavor already i call them fast flavor you know it's Mm -hmm. it's when you want to produce a really tasty meal really quickly you got to draw on those pantry staples with a lot of flavor that's already built in
0: hey it's Kristen. we'll be back with hetty mckinnon in just a moment And we're back with Hetty McKinnon. Well, I definitely want to hear a little bit more about Tenderheart, too. We're getting sort of a, a happy jumpstart on that since it's not out mm. here in the U.S. yet, but it is in Australia. So some of, some of the recipes are kind of like we're getting sneak peeks early because Australia already has the book. So for our listeners who <laughs> maybe don't have access to it yet outside of Australia, could you just
1: tell us a little bit more about the book? Yeah, so this is um, My Vegetable Bible. Tenderheart is My Vegetable Bible. It's the vegetable book that I would write, which is probably a little bit different to um, other vegetable books on the market. It's centered around 22 of my favorite vegetables. Some of them you'll be able to guess. There's some surprises thrown in there. And it's just about cooking vegetables with creativity, but from my perspective, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, perspective of, um, someone born to Chinese parents who was raised in Australia, who's lived around the world, who now eats food from all over the world. And it's very pantry driven. It's very global inspired. But it's also the, in many ways, my vegetable OG story. It's how I began to love vegetables, which was through my dad who worked at the produce markets and brought vegetables home. Our house was, it looked like, a grocery, you know, like a, mm-hmm. a like a fruit and vegetable market. There was just food all over the house because there was just so much of it, and he it was abundant. Um, and my dad actually passed away when I was a teenager. So a little bit of the book kind of touches on on how we stay connected to people um, that we've lost.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I guess vegetables is my way of staying connected to him. So. There's um there's a lot in this book and it's a huge book. It's like 500 pages, h- over 180 recipes. It was such a fun book to write because I wrote it kind of during COVID really and being kind of at home, there was more food scarcity than we're used to living in the city. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of those recipes really anchored in everyday vegetables, like not the fancy stuff, you know, not the watermelon radishes and not. You know, your hyper-seasonal, I don't know, fiddlehead, headphones, not, not, not vegetables like that, but, you know, your carrots, your potatoes, your, your, your spinach, you know, what can we do with those to make them more interesting and more inventive and more exciting? Basically, like I would say, what do I have in my fridge? I've got broccoli, so tonight I'm going to make something with broccoli. And if it's good, I'm going to put it in the book. So it really, this really was the process of developing um, most of the recipes in the book was cooking with what I have in my mm-hmm. in my pantry and in my fridge. It will challenge the way people think about vegetables and what's possible with um, very everyday produce and ingredients. So I'm very, very excited about this book. It also is
0: just so inspiring to even be reminded that there are 22 everyday vegetables. You know, like I I feel like I, it might sound silly, but I feel like I get into these ruts where it's like, okay, what are we having tonight? Broccoli, carrots, green beans. But like to have all of these chapters that focus on bringing out the best of even the vegetables that we maybe
1: forget can be a star. Definitely. I mean, I think that, I, there's a turnip chapter, for example. Um, I don't think people eat enough turnip. Turnips are so delicious and it's honestly some of the most delicious recipes are in the turnip chapter. It's just really exciting to show people a different way with, with turnips. Like there's this recipe where they're um, stir-fried, they're actually glazed in this miso and then they're stir-fried. And it's. I think I serve it with black rice, but you can have it with any rice. You can have it with brown rice. And it's just, like, really quite mind-blowing, you know, quite Mm -hmm. mind-blowing that a turnip could taste that good. Also, you don't have to do that much to a turnip. Like, I remember the first time I ate them, I bought them from a – I did buy them from a farmer's market. And the guy selling them to me said – and I I remember thinking – I said to him, oh, how do I prepare turnips? And he said, just butter and garlic. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did. And they were so, so delicious, so The book is really exciting because I think it will show people all these other ways of cooking, you know, things like kale or, you know, obviously broccoli and cauliflower are staples, um, but like Brussels sprouts and and there's actually a seaweed chapter too. And the seaweed chapter, Mm. I've been on this like mission, a quiet mission, Kristen, but a mission nevertheless to convert people to eating seaweed. As an everyday vegetable, it is like the most sustainable food on the planet. I don't get on my seaweed high horse that often, but I quietly try and do it by just showing people really delicious recipes that they can make with seaweed. You know, you can buy these dried seaweeds and they stay in your pantry for, they they keep forever. It has, you know, that lovely briny flavour. It kind of tastes of the sea. Um, It's really good for you. And you know, it keeps in your pantry for a long time. So there's actually a seaweed chapter that's super fun and it's not intimidating for people who think they don't like seaweed or think they can't eat seaweed on a um, everyday basis. So that was one of the chapters I I put in there to just show people how to eat an ingredient that is actually very accessible but, you know, it's it's funny because, as you were saying, you think, how can I think of 22 vegetables? I had to stop. There's actually no green bean chapter in that book. And there's no corn chapter. Like, there are so many vegetables in the world. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really even, you know, I, I sort of cheated sometimes and put all the squashes together and put all <laughs> the pumpkins and winter squashes together. I mean, it, there's so many vegetables in the world. It's amazing.
0: Thanks for listening, and my thanks to Hetty McKinnon for speaking with me today about her recipe in Simply Genius, as well as her new cookbook, Tender Heart. If you want a copy of Tender Heart as soon as it comes out, it's available for pre-order now at the link in our show notes. And the Simply Genius cookbook is available now everywhere you buy cookbooks. This week's episode was put together by me, Kristen McGlory, executive producer Harry Sultan, and with post-production by Crutch Fray Studios. If you have a favorite fast flavor pantry staple, I would love to hear about it at geniusfood at 52com or by tagging me on Instagram at McGlorious. And if you like the Genius Recipe Tapes podcast, the very best thing that you can do to support us and to help other people find our show is to take a moment to leave us a five-star rating and review, or just send this episode to other people who think that seaweed deserves to be an everyday vegetable just like us. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon.